We'll talk about some recent viewings we've locked for defenders for the 2024 NHL draft on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be reviewing our recent viewings of some 2024 NHL draft defensemen. We'll talk about players that are going to be available in the first or second round for your teams, uh, what kind of styles they play, what we've liked from them in recent viewings, and just overall our, our kind of evaluation of how they've been um, they've been trending recently. Um, we'll get into the names and the and the the size and the handedness and the the styles of play later on. Just to name a couple players, we'll discuss Harrison Bruniki, Carter Yakimchuk, Artyom Levshinov. We've that's one player you've probably heard of. Um, we'll talk about some Europeans as well. It's going to be a really interesting episode. But before I get into it, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day and leave a rate and review. It helps the channel out a lot. So let's get right into it here. Um... I think we can start off with a couple, a, a pair of, well, there's going to be two pairs here that we can discuss in detail that are, you know, pretty comparable and for both of us kind of in the same range. Um, I want you to start off here with Leon Mugli versus Daniel Ostinkov. Talk me through their profiles, how they play, and which one you like more of the two. For sure. These are uh, the two Swiss uh, draft eligible defensemen that are quite interesting both of them uh, played decent roles uh, for the Swiss team at the World Junior Championship uh, a month ago. And while it was a difficult performance for that team and and neither player like blew the lights out at the tournament, uh, I thought that Danilo Stankov kind of cemented himself as the higher upside bet between the two players. Yeah. Stankov is a six foot, 183 pound uh, left shot defenseman. Uh, he's quite young for the draft class uh, as he is a uh, like July or August birthday. And um, yeah, yeah he, he, he's quite interesting. He's a, he's a decent skater, potent in transition with the puck on his stick. Uh, he can solve problems really effectively when they're in front of him on the ice, consistently tries to get the pucks uh, to his uh, more like dynamic forwards and uh, can delay with the puck when he's under pressure to wait for an opening. He's quite interesting in transition, but his defensive zone and offensive zone games are still a little bit more of works in progress. And that's where Leon Mugli shines a lot more. He's a lot more refined than Ustinkov is. His toolkit isn't as good. He is not as fluid a skater, as powerful a skater, as good a handler as Ustinkov is. His offensive instincts aren't as flashy. Like Ustinkov kind of keeps himself uh like he's very, very restrained in terms of like the risks he takes offensively but when he does take the risks they're yeah. awesome and 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 he can really create some things offensively with leon moogly it's a lot more simplistic and bare bones but in a pretty projectable way he is a an undersized a little bit undersized defense but six feet 159 pounds also quite young for the draft class with a july birthday and he's been playing like much more minutes and in, in, in a bigger role uh, in Switzerland, playing with Zouk. 
And uh, he, he has been very interesting. Like, like the production has been excellent with him, but a lot of it's just coming off of point shots and secondary assists. He's not necessarily a massive offensive driver, but he yeah. is an offensive facilitator. A lot of the play flows through him and he's a conductor of play and he tries to maintain possession. He takes the simple plays, uh, makes, makes a simple passes when he needs to. On retrievals, he's very effective at lowering his center of gravity to out-leverage much bigger and heavier opponents. So he's quite effective in board battles compared to other players of his stature, especially playing in pro leagues. So he's been interesting, but with him, I definitely have some question marks about the high-end upside, yeah. uh, which is why I currently have Ustinkov ranked a couple slots above them, uh, above Moogly, but there are there's literally one player separating the two of them, and it's a pretty fun one in Cole Hudson in my rankings. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's interesting you say that, because I have them in different tiers. I have Danilo Ustinkov at 51st, and I have Leon Moogly at 62nd. And I think it's just really a stylistic thing. Like, obviously, Moogly right now is a lot more refined even though he's just a month younger uh, a month older than uh, than Danilo Stinkov um I mean they're both left-handed defensemen similarly sized but they play such different play styles and are at such different points in their projection for sure um I think Ustinkov's room for improvement is a lot lot like his runways a lot longer than than Leon Mugli's with Mugli, what you're seeing right now is more or less what you get which is pretty good like he's good at lowering yeah. his body like winning battles against like former NHLers in in the in the Swiss National, like there are some really good quality players that usually be playing in the KHL or the SHL, but the Swiss National League's been offering a lot to players recently. So um, a lot of former NHLers have been migrating to that league, right? And with Mugli, I feel like there's not much room for improvement. You might add a couple pounds, get up to like 185, 190 pounds, but other than that, like the play style is pretty set in stone. Whereas a Stinkov, there's so much he can add to his game, given how much he's exploring, how much he's taking risks, and like the different ways that he's been molding his play. So they're they're two really interesting Swiss Swiss players. Who, I mean, both of them are probably going to be available in like the the 35 to 50 range. I would say Mugli's probably going to go first, given how teams usually draft. But I think. Yeah. Definitely worth a bet. Um, but that brings me to another two players that are pretty comparable. We have Carter Yakumchuk and Harrison Brunicky. Uh Yakumchuk is almost definitely going to be a top 20 pick, but I don't really see that with Yakumchuk. He's a very risky, um, big right-handed defenseman. His his forward skating is really interesting because it's really good, but it's it's really most of what he does is because he's he's activating offensively so often, because he's trying to stick handle through players so often. Um, he's refined his forward skating to a point where he's able to do these things fairly well. But the lateral mobility and the backwards mobility are a bit more struggling, and it's mainly because he's not putting himself consistently in situations where he has to use those. Oftentimes, what he'll do is he'll skate forward with the puck through the neutral zone, try to dangle through a player at the offensive blue line, try to drop the shoulder, drive the net type thing. Um, and when that doesn't work out, he's skating forward back towards his own zone. So he's never really using his lateral or backward skating, which makes it a bit more difficult for him to utilize those tools and improve them because he's not really seeing as much reps, right? Um, but with Yakubchuk, the upside is ridiculous because he has a booming shot. He's got fantastic hands, a lot of creativity. Um, and overall, I, like the passing is really good as well. There's a lot to love about his, his offensive game, right? But there are big struggles with his defense. He doesn't really focus on it as much to begin with. And on top of it, the decision-making is kind of rough. Whereas with Harrison Brunicky, who's also a right-handed defenseman, um, with similar size to Yakumchuk, but, I mean, 
I mean, Yakim chucks over a point per game right now in the WHL, and Bruniki has 19 and 43 games. So, like, if you yeah. look at the stat lines, there's a big gap. But for me, Bruniki is just so projectable. Um, he's a player who, like, he, I feel like sometimes he's a complete opposite of Yakim Chuck, where the tools are still really, really good. Like, he'll pull off a deke, um, a stick handle in transition that'll really, really surprise you. But overall, he just he keeps the play in front of him. He makes really smart reads, really smart decisions with the puck and without it. Uh, the gap control is really good. Uh, the footwork is really good. Um, and he's pretty aggressive as well. Like he's a big guy who plays big. Like he's able to drop the shoulder, drop the gloves, um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we've both logged viewings um, for for each other's kind of comparable players. For sure. What do you think about Yakumchuk and Bruniki overall in terms of play style? Like, how, how would you compare them? Oof. I mean, Bruniki, I enjoy more to watch, even though, like, as you mentioned, the production isn't anywhere near Yakumchuk's. Yeah. The handling skill that Bruniki just casually flashes, it, like, in every situation when it's applicable is wild to me. Like, yeah. He's very, very effective at applying his tools to solve complex problems and with yakim chuck there's a lot more chaos and dare to his game where he's pushing his own limits but also perhaps not always scanning around and trying to apply the right thing for the situation so yeah. i find bruniki a lot more cerebral with the puck on his stick than yakim chuck is but yakim chuck is just pure dare and and you gotta respect that as well like he just tries things and he's learning on the fly and it's a yeah. it's chaotic and frustrating to watch from a scouting or coaching perspective but is certainly a fun way of kind of developing like tools especially offensively and yeah. while the defensive game for for Yakim Chuck certainly has a ways to go uh he's 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 entertaining as anything and i'm sure Calgary Hitmen fans absolutely adore the guy Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I still got a soft spot for Bruniki, also because he could become the first South African national to get drafted in the in the NHL draft. Um, he has dual nationality between uh, Canada and South Africa, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I think the the game that he brings is really particularly alluring. And you could be looking at a do it all two way defenseman who can just get involved in every scenario and constantly analytically outperform his peers which is really difficult to find um mm -hmm. i think second pair is the upside though but that wraps things up for our first segment about some comparable defensemen we'll get into some more after um after these messages from our sponsors here we're going to be talking about alphonse Frey, leo Salin valenius charlie ellick and taryn smith after these messages from our sponsors over at indeed We're driven at Locked On by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. You don't search, you match with Indeed. If you need to hire, Indeed is the best place to do that. It's a great matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Um, as, a, as an employee, I really liked Indeed when I went for my job search at my day job there. It's really user-friendly, really useful in terms of finding the things that you're good at and matching it with job offers that match those qualities and overall it's just a fast way to make sure that you, you get the right job and you know there's no secrets or surprises 99% of the time the salary's posted so you know exactly what your, your job's offering you but for employers as well it's really good in terms of finding you people that work really well within the system of your job and, 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 you know, players for your team that fit the criteria that you're looking for. So overall, 
listeners of the show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash locked on. So just go to indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Again, indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply, but if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Did you know that even, even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood is the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offers good through April 30th again so get started at robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply and now for some legal info claim as of q1 2024 validated by rabius global market research investing involves risk including loss limitations apply to ras and 401ks three percent match requires robinhood gold for one year from the date of first three percent match must keep robinhood ira for five years the 3% match matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC, is a registered broker-dealer. But visit Robinhood.com slash boost. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about some more defensemen here um, that are pretty interesting in comparison. Uh, I think you could start off here with uh, two defensemen that play on the same uh, on the same team, one of which we often see above the other, um, but we both have him flipped around, right? Uh, talk me through Alphonse Frey and Leo Soli Villenius, how they play, what they you know what they look like on the ice, and how they compare overall. For sure. Uh, these are two left-shot defensemen that play with uh, the Vahua J20 team in Sweden, uh, and they are both hyper-mobile and really fun offensive defensemen, but that's kind of where that comparison ends between the two. Uh, Salin Vilenius is very much leaning offensively. He he does the offensive part of the game far better than everything else in his toolkit. Uh, he is can be quite daring in the offensive zone, really wanting to activate and get pucks towards the slot. But there's st it's still a work in progress of learning how to assess risks for him. Where he like it, it happens quite regularly where uh, Vahua gets caught on uh, with an odd man rush against because Salin Vilenius makes a mistake and and gives up possession deep in the offensive zone. And his defensive game is uh, raw, to say the least. It's It's been, cer in certain viewings, you see him using his impressive mobility to match footwork really well off the rush and to keep a tighter gap. But those are few and far between in most views I've caught. He's been quite passive in his transition defending. And on the cycle, he can be a bit lost, especially when he's assigned to clearing the net front. That is not a strength of his. Whereas Alphonse Frey, who is... Uh, I, also a little bit bigger. Uh, he's listed at six foot one hundred and eighty-seven, which seems a little bit generous uh, to what he looks like on the ice. Oh, for sure. Uh, whereas Salim Villanius is listed at what he does look like, which is five eleven and one sixty-eight. Um, but uh, yeah, so Frey is hyper mobile as well. He's an excellent skater in all four directions, and he's able to use that as a high end tool in every single facet of the game that I, that I can see. Uh, in offensive transition, he consistently quarterbacks the rush. He loves taking the puck with it on his on a stick and bombing through the defensive zone into the neutral zone, switching lanes, really shifting uh, the angle of attack in order to create space for his teammates and to find holes 
in defensive structures in the offensive zone. He's really dynamic, but is also quite aware of the risks that he does take. And he's always in a position where he, he can get back in time in order to cover uh, defensively if uh, possession is lost. So, uh, and the, the most impressive thing with him offensively is just his rate of creating chances through his passing and his playmaking game. Uh, yeah. He is constantly throwing pucks towards the slot and his passing game is really, really accurate. Like, Selling Valenius has a similar level of dare in his game offensively uh, to Alphonse Frey, but the success rate is just not even close. And Frey dominates shifts on a regular basis at the J20 level. And even defensively, he uses his skating really well to match footwork. And while he can be a bit more, he, he could used to be a bit more aggressive in defending the rush on the cycle. He really, really pounces as soon as he sees a forward that is like bobbling the puck or anything. And it's within his radius. He strikes immediately. He has really quick reactions. He's very cerebral, very intelligent, really creative. And he's a player that has solidified, solidified himself inside my personal top 10. And is a player that I got into our top 10 of our uh, midterm rankings at Dauber prospects, which, uh, I was very, very happy about because he has steadily improved this season and every viewing I've had has just been like, oh my God, I I had high expectations, but not this high. And that consistent basis of of, uh, being like, awestruck by by some of the things he can do on the ice is awesome. And he's far from like a complete player. Uh, like, Like he has a lot of these strengths that are amazing, but he's going to have to continue to learn to put them all together into one cohesive package in the next two to three years before he's ready to make the jump to the NHL. But when he does, I think it's going to be very entertaining. For sure. You said top 10, though. I think it's top 20, right? Top 20. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> in my heart, top 10, perhaps. But no, on my on my board, he's at, he's at, he's at 17th on my board and at, at 18th on our Dauber list. So yeah. yes, top top 20. There's an important distinction there. For sure. Uh, but let's leave the top 20. Talk about some kind of uh, late first, early second, maybe up to mid-second round prospects. I want to talk about Charlie Ellick and Taron Smith. Um, with Charlie Ellick, I mean, we're talking about a player who is massive at 6'3", 200 pounds already as an 18-year-old. He plays a very in-your-face style, uh, both on and off the puck. Um, He's the type of right-handed defenseman who will consistently push the pace, um, but is also comfortable making the simple plays. And that's the thing that makes him stand out from Taron Smith to me, is Charlie Ellick is very much... um, He's capable of picking up the pace, making some pretty outlandish plays when he needs to, but most of the time he'll stick to his guns, make the right play, make the simple play, the the, the good outlet pass and kind of keep it there. Um, he plays for Brandon in the WHL and most of what I've watched from him has been pretty, I mean, it's pretty meat and potatoes until he decides that he wants to throw a Michelin star dish in there. Uh, like he'll, he'll very much be able to pull out the, the, the flashy move or interesting deke from the blue line. But most of the time he does default to shooting um, and I think the defensive game is solid in terms of what he does with his tools, but not as much with his decision making. But I think that can be polished over time with Alec. Like there are flashes of interesting decisions on the puck that make him pretty interesting. Meanwhile, with Terrence Smith, you've got a very chaotic uh, left-handed defenseman. He's a bit smaller, six one, hundred seventy-six ish. 
Um, and yeah, I, I think that with Smith, you're getting a player who consistently tries to push the pace, who consistently tries to to get around opponents and and do outlandish things with the puck. So it's definitely a less of a safe bet than Charlie Ellick, which is why I think that Ellick is almost definitely going to be picked uh, first between the two. And I'd even say Ellick is probably going to be a first rounder, given the style of player he is and the type of picks that contenders usually go through. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked between 25 and 32. Like that's a realistic possibility with Alec. Um, but Smith, I think, has decent upside. I think he's got the qualities that you look for in, in a player who does take risks. He's definitely the type of player who takes calculated risks. Um, I think his risk assessment is better than Carter Yakumchuk's. Even if Carter Yakumchuk's almost definitely going to be a top 15 prospect, and it's mainly because he has better tools than Terrence Smith. I think that they play similarly chaotic games. And with Smith, you've got a player whose risk assessment is more spot on um, than Yakumchuk's, but you have a lot more to work on tools wise. He's a decent skater, but not overwhelmingly good. Um, he's a decent stick handler, but again, it's not overwhelming on that end as well. The shot is pretty subpar. Um, so there's a lot more to work on in terms of tools, but I really, really like the risk assessment for Smith, especially given the style of play that he tries to play. Um, but that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll talk about uh, some more defensemen here in our third segment. We'll talk about a personal favorite of Sebastian's, Dominic Badinka, a player I've kind of warmed up on in Archam Lefshunov, and we'll also talk about a couple more prospects after these messages from our sponsors over at Game Time. If you're looking to buy tickets to any event, whether that's sports, theater, comedy, or whatever else requires tickets, Game Time is the best place to secure, especially last-minute tickets. Game Time is a great source for tickets that are available up to until the last minute before the event, and sometimes even an hour after they start, you can still find tickets on Game Time. And they're obsessed with saving you money. They've got a bunch of different zeal, uh, deals uh, available to you, but my favorite are zone deals. Basically, you pick the section, and Game Time picks the seat. Uh, and that gives you about 18% savings um, according to game time data. And the game time guarantee makes sure that if you find a different a, a ticket in the same section and row for less than what game time has to offer, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take this the, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Now the Game Time app, create an account and use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, super simple. Create an account, redeem the code locked on. Uh, NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, so moving on to our final segment, we'll talk about a couple of really interesting players. And I think we could talk with we could start with the two right-handed defensemen at the at the beginning here with Dominic Badinka and Artyom Lefshunov. Um, start me off on Badinka because I know you have a lot to say about him, and I've personally I've liked the viewings I've watched of him recently. So take it away. For sure. Uh, Badinka is, has the profile player that NHL teams go feral over come draft day. So yeah. I'm expecting him to really rise up, uh, up, up most rankings, uh, in the coming months. Uh, he's been playing a lot of minutes in the SHL in the last couple months. Um, and, and that's been very impressive, uh, with just how comfortable he seemed at that level. And, uh, he's a six foot two, 185 pound right shot defenseman. He's a very, very smooth skater, quite physical, not at all afraid of being violent or, or using his body to smother out, uh, a, a, a transition attempt, uh, for the other team. And 
one of the things that I respect a lot of in his game is his level of composure. He's a really, really solid passer in transition, even against really intense forechecking at the SHL level. He remains composed, always has a simple option in his back pocket that he can take when he gets pressured. And uh, when when he has some time and space, he can really, really pass the puck uh, in the breakout. He's a really solid tape-to-tape passer often going uh like stretch passes going from behind his, his goal line all the way into the neutral zone and uh really launching counterattacks quite effectively he's a lot less effective in transition as a puck handler or puck carrier his handling ability is a real limiting factor but he's really intelligent defensively consistently well positioned in his own zone his offensive game is very simple he's a, a distributor he just gets the puck to players that can do a lot with it and uh he, he shoots sometimes but it's it's usually pretty low danger from around the point but yeah. uh he he times it decently well with potential tips or, or screens he's not a low calorie shooter when he does it there's a, there's an idea behind it consistently and yeah. i like how refined his game is i like that he's very cerebral in his decision making and the fact that he's been so composed and consistent at the shl level as a draft eligible defenseman which you don't see every year so he, he's really stood out in my viewing so far oh for sure um that's one thing i've really liked like you mentioned like he he's a player who he, he doesn't default to the simple pass he keeps it in his back pocket as a secondary option and the first option he's trying to look for is a stretch pass is a is a pass through a layer that kind of thing i think the hands still need work but like i said this is the type of profile that that NHL teams love. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's picked up in the first round. Um, but one player who's almost definitely going to be gone by five is Arch Elmleff Shunov. Um, he's been playing in Michigan State uh, right now in the NCAA. He's up over a point per game as a draft eligible um, defenseman. He's really decently sized. He's massive on the ice. He's listed at 6'398 well, pounds, which seems about right. Um, and yeah, I mean, right-handed defensemen like him who move so well, who have this fluid stride, really great crossovers, a deep, deep stride that helps him build speed really well in transition. Um, combine that with the with the constant uh, desire to join offensive rushes, to get involved offensively. Um, the passing's really, really good. The shot is powerful. The hands are really decent as well when he gets involved in those transitions. So the offensive tools are really interesting. And at the start of the year, it was a bit more sour on his decision-making. Um, I thought this was, you know, oftentimes I would watch this player and see a player who pretty consistently makes mistakes. Um, but as the year's gone on, it's been very clear that this is a player who learns quick because we're talking about a player who not even a year and a half ago was playing under 16 in Belarus. Like that's not a level that makes you think. Uh, now, that in the, now that he's in the NCAA and kind of playing straight there, I think there's been a really decent progression in his ability to consistently make good decisions. Um, and on top of that, he's gotten a bit more conservative defensively, which has helped his game a lot because this is a player who covers a lot of ice, who's big, who's strong, who's mean, and who's really, really fast. So when you have a player like that who's comfortable, a, a bit getting a bit more comfortable sitting back and making defensive plays, we've seen a bit more of what he can do defensively. So he's gone from a player who was outside of the top 10 for me to a player who's well within it. And I'd say even, you know, it's getting closer to six than to where he is right now in my rankings at nine. So he's a player that I've grown to love a lot. Um, and overall, like this is a type of profile, like you said, big right-handed defenseman who can move the puck, who can hit, who can defend. Yeah teams love this i'd be surprised if he's if he's not if he's still available at like fourth overall like this is exactly the type of player i'd, I'd see an nhl team uh, jump on quick um but let's end things off with a couple of defensemen here um talk with matt v shurevin because i think like both of us are have soured pretty decently on him like there are some issues there right 
There's certainly issues. He's he's a fascinating case study. Uh, he he is playing uh, some minutes in the KHL this season. Uh, he's played a lot in the MHL as well. And the, one thing that's been very very consistent both in the MHL and the KHL for him is that he's quite decent in both the offensive zone and the defensive zone. But everything that has to do with like offensive transition is an absolute black hole with him. Yeah. So he he can defend the rush really well. He's actually quite effective at, at preventing entries at the KHL level. Even he's a decent skater. He's like six foot two, hundred and eighty ish pounds. Uh, decent enough profile as a whole as a left shot defenseman. But uh, and his in zone defending is decent and solid. Like he he he's focused on protecting the slot. He does the simple things quite well. He can clear the net front. But as soon as the puck's on his stick, it it, it all kind of falls apart with him. Yeah. So he he really lacks on puck composure. That's that's part of my, my biggest critique in his game. Uh, very very much deer in the headlights. Goes puck off the glass regularly. Just gifts away possession under a tinge of pressure which makes yeah. him difficult to play at the khl level and it's not exactly the, the biggest forechecking league in the world but even there uh the forechecking is overwhelming for sure of yeah so the on puck game is giving me a lot of pause in terms of just what his upside could be at the nhl level because the breakout is so important for modern nhl defensemen uh to, to be effective in but because he is such a decent off-puck defender and a rush defender specifically and his offensive zone distribution abilities are decent, he's, he's going to get picked, likely like third, fourth round maybe. Uh, that, that's where I'd personally be comfortable taking a swing. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a lot of risk with his on-puck game specifically. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just a player who doesn't handle pressure well at all. But speaking of which, uh, Henry Muse is a player we've both watched a decent amount. Yeah. Um, I like the fluidity. I like the offensive game. I like the way that he he switches lanes and transition when he gets involved. Like he doesn't really. You see that a lot with defensemen where they're just rushing down one lane and they don't understand that. Like, listen, there's a lane right beside you. You can just sidestep a player and like you've got an open lane, right? Yeah. Muse gets that. Um, defensively, there are some concerns. Um, I think he's another player who doesn't really handle pressure all that well in his own zone either. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, we're talking about a player who is, you know, in your draft here, you will have issues. You will have warts. I think that Muse's offensive game and his understanding of offensive transitions is really interesting and can develop yeah. into something really fun. Which is why I have him in my top 25. Um, but yeah, having logged like 40 live viewings of him, um, anything else you'd like to add? You hit the nail on the head there mainly. Like I, I think that with Muse, the really interesting thing is the toolkit, and yeah. as you mentioned, the like the mental adaptability to situations. Like he's constantly surveying the ice and looking for ways, like complex ways of solving seemingly simple problems, yeah. which is something that I certainly appreciate in his game. He's always looking to go against the grain, trying to create space for himself in those more creative ways. And uh, and his tools are very, very strong. He's an excellent skater in all four directions. Really, really good puck handler. Very, very strong playmaker. And while his shot isn't individually very lethal, he gets himself to high danger scoring areas all the time. He, the shots he takes are almost exclusively from the high to mid slot. He's always getting really, really deep into the offensive zone before he's trying to give away possession with a shot. So yeah. he's really cerebral in that sense. And the Ottawa system is one that we saw with Pavel Mintukov last season really reigns in the offensive defenseman does not really like, encourage them to be like super, super risky in their play, yeah. but allows them to kind of learn how to merge 
high-end tools with more NHL-style roles and, and yeah. risk assessments. And that has allowed Mintikoff to translate to the NHL really, really smoothly. And with Henry Muse, I have a sneaking suspicion that there might be a similar like D plus one, D plus two, like glow up with him, where yeah. if he's in a situation where he is encouraged to do to, to be more aggressive and be more daring, that he has all the tools he needs to in order to do that well. And that's also why I have him in, in my top 25 as well, just like you. For sure. Speaking of which, uh, we forgot to mention, Shurevan is a about an average-sized left-handed defenseman. Uh, and uh, Henry Mews, I think, is what, six foot 180 right-handed defenseman, something like that? But He's he's not, not, not the tallest, but he's decently solidly yeah. built, but he's not physical at all. Like, he's he's really, For like, sure. he's not a hitter in any way, shape, or form. Like, he's For sure. really passive, especially defending the rush. He does not get involved physically much at all. For sure. But yeah, they're pretty interesting profiles of players we wanted to highlight as well based on recent viewings. But that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment what, uh, letting us know what you think about the episode and what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, please rate and review. It helps the channel out a lot, especially on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports. Make sure to tune in for our next show as we continue our scouting no notebook. This has been Hattie Kalakesh and Sebastian High. We hope you tune in next time.